his car toppled, building and tired, just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the live-action Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? You know what sucks is I don't even get creator uh, royalty benefits uh, from my own appearances. I, I own myself, and I'm not seeing any money from this, so I'm very upset. <laughs> man, um, lots going on, man. <laughs> Yeah, anything going on with Firestorm? Just a bit, um, but you know, before we before we get into that, let's let's go ahead and thank our sponsor real quick, and then because we got a lot to talk about, so let's do that. Otherwise, we'll never get around to it. So, folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to forty two percent off with free shipping for orders of fifty dollars or more. What you got, buddy? A couple of weeks ago, uh, Bill Watterson made news by returning to the comics pages by drawing a couple of installments of uh, that Pearls Before Swine strip. And, you know, everybody loves Calvin and Hobbes. It's a masterpiece. I'm not going to recommend Calvin and Hobbes because that's like pointing out Citizen Kane as a, on a list of good movies. But I'm going to do something <laughs> close, which is Franklin Richards' Son of a Genius Woo! by Chris Iliopoulos and Mark Sumerak. A lot of people said it's pretty much just a ripoff of Kevin and Hobbs. I don't care that it was or it isn't. It was still a lot of fun. I loved it. It was Franklin Richards and Herbie the Robot having adventures. This is the collected edition, and it features all the installments from all the various books that they did. 206 pages. Uh, the uh, normal price is $19.99. In-stock praise price is $11.59. That's 42% off. It is a perfect comic for literally all ages adults can enjoy it kids can enjoy it geeks everybody you know it's just great for every any comics fan i think would that has a sense of humor will love franklin richard son of a genius give it a try dude i cannot tell you how much i love that comic book i uh, it, it is not a ripoff of uh, calvin and Hobbes. it is an homage and a mashup there you go you know if you will uh with that it's it's so good in fact i have like in my bedroom i have like maybe 
in six different areas piles of comics. It, it, it's not as messy as it sounds. Poor a lot wife. of my, a lot. Of, I know a lot. Well, no, she said, "Look, if you're going to do this crap, here's a bookcase. Use the bookcase." So most of it's inside a bookcase, but one of the stacks has several Franklin Richards on top. So anyway, uh, I can't tell you how much I love that comic enough, guys. All right, my choice is DC Comics presents the life story of the Flash. This is a collected trade paperback. Uh, well, I guess it's not really a trade paperback because it was an original graphic novel. So it's it's a it's a what do you call it then? Original graphic novel. Okay, soft cover version by Mark Wade and Brian Augustine as the writers. You got art with Gil Kane, Joe Staten, Tom Palmer. It is as it sounds the life story of Barry Allen from beginning of hero uh, being a hero to when he died because this was written when Wally was the Flash. And in fact, there was some hints in here at the time. I mean, from, about the future of the direction the flashback was going to go, obviously all in our past now, but great story, lots of fun. There must be some reason why I'm suggesting a Barry Allen flashbook this week, but we'll get that in a second. Anyway, uh, this price normally was only $7.99 because it was a, you know, a small, uh, only 96-page book, but uh, in stock trades, you can get it for 42% off. You get it for $4.63. Can you believe that? It's a steal. So when you're buying a bunch of you know, Legion trade paperbacks or whatever, and you need to just Bump up over 50 bucks, you know, so you can get that free shipping. This is the one you throw on there, Life Story of the Flash. So, again, please visit InStockTrades.com. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship. They're the, your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and all the other collected editions, all for 40, 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. So, yes, enough dancing around it, and by the time you guys hear this, it's old news anyway. But for us, it just broke a couple hours ago. Uh, they have cast Ronnie Raymond, the actor Robbie Amell will play Ronnie Raymond in the new CW show, The Flash. So for the very first time, we are getting a live-action fire... Well, I shouldn't say firestorm yet, we don't know that for sure. But we're getting a, a live-action Ronnie Raymond. I, I, he's appeared so few times in, in animation anything that this is just amazing that he's in this thing at all. So I'm... I can't tell you how appreciative I am of all the listeners of the show that reached out to me. I didn't know so many of them had my own personal cell phone and could text me. I've been giving uh, that out. Is that a problem? I, I guess it's on bathroom walls, whatever. But that's how actually I found out. I was trying to work uh, a busy day at the office. I skipped lunch and everything. And all of a sudden, my phone starts blowing up with notifications and, and text messages. I'm like, what? What is this? And I, and I look at it. I'm like, oh. You know, I literally, um, one guy... <laughs> One guy in a thread posted as his response to this news. He posted a link to Amazon of a pair of new pants, uh, which I thought was hysterical. It was that kind of a shocking moment. Oh, and, oh, oh, boy. Yeah, okay. you get that? Isn't that classic? It. It's funny as hell. Anyway, <laughs> and then uh, it just, oh, it, it just hasn't stopped going. It's unbelievable, guys. So very exciting. Okay, for those of you who haven't heard the news, I'll just give you the rundown of it. Actor Stephen Amell, who in real life, is the cousin of the actor from Arrow. Uh, sorry, Stephen Amell is the actor from Arrow. Robbie Amell is his real-life cousin, is, the, is now been cast to play Ronnie Raymond. And in the story, he is apparently a maintenance worker at Star Labs. And Dr. Kalen Snow, being played by the beautiful Danielle Panabaker, is his fiance. And so, if you don't know who Kalen Snow is, she's Killer Frost. So you've got a combination of Ronnie Raymond is engaged to Killer Frost. Basically, Firestorm and Killer Frost are engaged. How cool is that? So, and it says there's a flat, Ronnie Raymond plays an integral part in the particle accelerator accident that transforms Barry Allen into the Flash. 
So it's all right there in the writing here. It sounds like either pretty quickly into it or some point down the line, Ronnie Raymond is going to become Firestorm, it sounds like. And she will become Killer Frost. They haven't come out and said it, but it's hard to imagine that it won't. Oof, man. Absolutely wild times. Um, what, 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 do you, what, what was your thoughts on this, Rob? Well, uh, first of all, I'm very proud of my pronostication abilities because back when Felicity Smoke was introduced into Arrow, I said on this show that that was the producer's beginning stages of bringing Firestorm into the show. And I was right. Now, of course, they may not ever do Firestorm specifically, but I bet they are because why else would you bother? Um, right. Yeah, I mean, what's the point? I mean, they're, they're doing the Atom for God's sakes. I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to do Firestorm. So, uh, so I'm, I'm proud of that. I was happy. I mean, didn't take it, you know, Sherlockian detective skills, but still, I'm proud of that guess. I get a lot of things wrong in the show. It's nice when I get something right. Um, I think it's great. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's, it's like, uh, I was going to watch Flash anyway. I was going to give it a chance. Um, and now it just sounds like, you know, more and more announcements. It sounds like they're doing like a little mini Justice League show. Uh, that sounds like a blast. So, yeah, I'm real happy about it. I think it's great for for anybody who's a Firestorm fan. It's great for you. It's great for the show. Uh, I, it's like win, 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 win all around. <laughs> you know, the only thing I'm waiting on is like a lot, what a lot of people are putting out there is they're just waiting for the announcement of uh, the Martin Stein casting uh, to see what happens next. But Well, that's <sighs> going to be played by the third ML brother, Shemp ML. It was a little lesser known of the MLs, but uh, he's, he's, you know, he's got some talent, that kid. Right. <laughs> I uh, personally, I suspect they'll probably go the Jason Rush route. Because you think about it, it's the CW. Everyone has to be young and pretty. So Martin Stein, you know, might be a tough character to cast. So I, I'm, I'm totally, I can't stop smiling. We you know, will funny. have to do a commentary episode when on the first episode that he's on Flash. Probably. And it sounds like he's going to be on several episodes. So... You know, whereas, whereas you now have, you know, not you, but I should say the character of Aquaman is going to be in live action as well that just got announced recently. He's going to be in, you know, a two-hour movie and maybe another two-hour movie. So, you know, there you go, buddy. you got a couple hours where it sounds like Ronnie Raymond might actually get more screen time than Aquaman. That's <laughs> insane. I will take my Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Thank you very much. Yes, as you should. Uh, and also you mentioned that you sort of pr- prognosticated this. I will freely admit that up until about 12 noon today, I was firmly standing my ground that we would never see Firestorm in live action. <laughs> I was wrong. I mean, take that to the bank, folks. I mean, to be uh, to to be fair to myself, I uh, refer to for reality. Back when I made that, I, I think that was back when it was just Arrow. There was no incl- there was no inkling that they were even doing Flash. Once they announced that they were doing Flash, I feel like the chances of all the other superpowered heroes getting converted into live action went way up because you realize, oh, wait a minute. Arrow, doing Arrow is one thing because he doesn't have superpowers. You're doing Flash? That's a giant leap in, in a certain direction. So to me, it's like the step between doing Arrow and Flash was a much bigger one than it is between doing Flash and Firestorm. Well, I just never fi- – like if you look at every single member of the Justice League – and I'm looking at my action figures here to make sure my statement's going to be accurate. You can dress every single character up in costume with just, you know, costume and makeup, except for Firestorm. Right. Firestorm's the only one that would require CGI at all times. And so he's an expensive character to do for television, unless they change his look. They're going to change, well, they're going to change his look, I'm sure. They're not going to do the flame top head. Well, they might. What the even if they just do a human torch kind of thing where he's got glowy hotness or whatever, 
it's still CGI at all yeah, times. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're just going to make him a guy with, you know, regular hair or something. I mean, he's, he's going to have some sort of flame effect to him. So, anyway. Oof. All right. I, I, there's not much else to say at this point other than, holy shit. <laughs> it's kind of, forget the language, but wow. Did not expect this today at all. Couldn't be happier. All right. Uh, well, with that, I believe we're going to turn things around a little bit. Normally, when we get to these review episodes, like we are this time, where we cover all the new Aquamans and the Firestorm, you know, Cl- Firestorm Classic, we always say Firestorm for the end. But I think because of this news, we're gonna we're gonna front load this one with a little bit of flame top. Is that fair to say? Why not? <laughs> You're throwing me a bone. You're throwing me a bone. All right. Here we go, folks. We are on the Furia Firestorm, the Nuclear Man, number twelve. Cover dated May 1983. Folks, now, if you want to find this issue pristine in the stands, go ahead and jump in your Wayback Machine or your DeLorean. You want to head back to February 3rd, 1983. Look at that, February 3rd. So thanks to Mike's Amazing World of Comics for that information. You've got a gorgeous, gorgeous cover by Pat Broderick and Dick Giordano. It is a really nice close-up on Firestorm's face, and he is savage. He is hairy, he's got giant fangs, his eyebrows really need a trim, and you can see the moon behind him. He is on, on his way to full werebeast, because of the last issue, he is now has the uh, were-hyena curse on him. So this is a really, really nice nice cover. What did you think of this cover? I'm uh, not a huge... I, look, the drawing is great. The drawing is great. I'm yeah. not a big fan of the design. I think the design is, is sort of kind of pretty basic it's just a giant close-up so not a huge you know i i, I think it's you know it broderick's done better but it's not a bad drawing certainly i love it because there's a sheer intensity to it there is it's, that is true fi- because of the close-up firestorm's face has never been this large on the cover so his face is huge you know that he's got the teeth everywhere he's got i didn't even mention he's got the clawed hand uh, doing out and closer to you so it's enormous you got it, it's at a you know sort of Batman forty five degree Batman you know TV series forty five degree angle with the moon. I think it, I think the design's great. I love it. I think it conveys exactly what it needs to. Is that Firestorm is a savage beast. It's nice not having uh, the omniscient narrator making a punny joke on the uh, cover text. It's straightforward. <laughs> right. Well, if you want to see a way not to do this cover, wait till we get to the issues in the seventies when Firestorm becomes a beast again, and you'll go, "Ooh, yeah, that other one was really good." So, all right, and uh, oh, there's a statement "Howl" on the cover. So, all right, folks, we're going to get into this. Going to do this pretty high level, and then talk about some details just in the interest of time. But, folks, this <laughs> say is say that every time. I do say it every time, and I, I, you know what? The, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So. Anyway, this is a Jerry Conway, Pat Broderick, Roden Rodriguez, Ben Oda, and Gene D'Angelo joint, folks. Change up on the lettering. You know, before we had that that no that no name Andy Kubert doing the lettering. This time we've got Ben Oda. So, whew, thank goodness we got some real talent finally. All right, the issue opens. We pick up right where we left off. This is part three of the story, and the very first time a Firestorm story has gone at this many parts. Where we left off last time, they're battling on the top of the World Trade Center. Firestorm is battling two hyenas. He blasts one of them, Summer Day, and she goes falling off the Empire State Building, and Professor Stein is yelling at him, going, You've killed her, Ronnie. You've killed the sister of the girl you love. So that's where we jump right in. Firestorm realizes his mistake. He flies after Summer, 
desperately uh, racing to try and pass her as she falls down off the Empire. I'm sorry, off the World Trade Center. And the only thing he can think of to catch her because he doesn't want to pull a. Um, oh, geez, I'm blanking. Um, Spider-Man's girlfriend, Gwen Stacy moment. <laughs> he turns the road directly beneath the World Trade Center into essentially a river. Turns the entire tar, uh, tar road or concrete road into a river. And so that it breaks Hyena's fall. She hits the water, doesn't die. Unfortunately, the cars on the road start sinking, and the driver's going to drown. Firestorm jumps in there to save the guy, pulls him out. Unfortunately, Firestorm is still transforming into a were-beast, so he's extremely savage. And when the crowd is yelling at him about you know, the situation, he sort of snaps at them. In fact, he supposedly snarls at one of them. And he gets frustrated, he's becoming more aggressive, and he flies away yelling, Everyone, stop crowding me! So we get a couple of more uh, moments of Firestorm just out of, almost out of control, really on the edge. And Professor Stein's trying to talk Ronnie uh, down, and Ronnie's not having it. He wants to kill the, the, uh, the new hyena, Dr. Shiv, or she. So uh, obviously things are going awry. Next scene, Ronnie has split. Ronnie and Professor have split. They're now their separate entities. And the aggression has passed. So is the infection. Ronnie appears normal, Professor Stein appears normal, the aggression and the infection are not present in either of them. They have a quick little conversation. It is worth mentioning at this point that Professor Stein does say, now that I'm aware of our shared persona, I can almost remember our experiences together. So this is really the first indication that Professor Stein can remember his adventures as Firestorm. So from here on forward, it's safe to assume that he does remember all their encounters. So... Ronnie and them, I'm sorry, Ronnie and Professor Split. Ronnie goes into the hospital to try and find out what he can about the, the new hyena, the doctor who's the new hyena, and bumps into uh, Dr. Barry Gleason, chief resident, who is entirely full of himself, which is what has caused Dr. Sheed to actually kind of lose his crap. Ronnie runs into Doreen. They have a nice tender moment. Professor Stein then goes into work at Concordance Research and finds out he has been fired. He got fired by Memo. You know, if this was done nowadays, he'd probably get fired by, like, a, a private Instagram message or something uh, along the same lines. So you get a nice, uh, not nice, but you get a dejected Professor Stein trying to figure out what he's going to do. He runs in his former co-worker, Harry Carew, says, hey, let me hang with you, Stein. We'll cheer you up. And they're talking about things. And then Harry admits that he stole the audio recording Professor Stein made in the first issue, revealing that Harry, Professor Stein and Ronnie Raymond were firestorm. Harry Carew was a total jerk and stole this from Stein, and although and reconstructed the audio, never finished listening to it. So he's not aware of what the tape contains, but he's admitting it to Stein, which I suppose is the right thing to do, but what a jerk. Tries to play the tape for him, finds out he doesn't have it anymore, and we find out that Professor Stein's ex-wife is sitting in a car, sort of observing this whole situation with Harry Carew, and has, has somehow orchestrated Professor Stein's stress, and he was hoping he gets to a breaking point. So obviously Clarissa Stein is evil with her purple hair. Then Professor Stein goes and visits Ronnie Raymond at the Bun and Run where Ronnie works. He reveals that you know, their, their identity may be at risk. They are taunted by Hyena because Hyena decides that she wants to get someone's attention, I guess. So Summer Day goes and taunts Ronnie Raymond because she knows that he is connected with his, her sister. That's sort of confusing, but whatever. So they transform into Firestorm. They follow the hyena. Hyena jumps on their back and then basically convinces Firestorm to work with her, Summer Day's hyena to work with her. So then they, they go after the second hyena, who's attacking that chief resident we mentioned earlier from the hospital, which has made uh, his personal life a misery because he's made this doctor from an, another country start over his residency as just a basic, you know, orderly type situation. So he's taking it all out. 
So Ronnie flies in. They have a really cool, powerful fight. Lots of good punching and uh, close fighting with, with the new hyena. And the new hyena actually gets the upper hand and is about to kill Firestorm when the summer day hyena shows up and actually intercedes, which results to allow Firestorm to get the upper hand. He creates some sort of sleep gas, I guess is what it is, and knocks out both hyenas. They are arrested. They're captured. They're strapped onto some tables. That's the end of the hyena threat. Firestorm has got bandaged up. He decides it's time to get rid of this new uh, aggressive persona where he's He's, he's high, you know, half hyena, half firestorm. The only way to do it, Martin Stein said, is for them to switch back to Ronnie Professor, but they can't split. Dun, 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 dun. And uh, we get this great bit of the end. Let's just talk about cheap come-ons. Obviously, our hothead hero isn't going to stay this way forever. And obviously, this is just a sleazy stunt to make you buy our next issue. If we were you, we wouldn't stand for it. So don't buy next month's Fury of Firestorm. And don't read Split. You'll only encourage us. <laughs> it's a good sense of humor. A lot of fun there. And instead of a letters page, we get a full-page pinup of Firestorm fighting Superman. It's a recreation from the DC Comics Presents issue drawn by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise be his name. name. But this one's done by Pat Broderick. It's basically Pat's rendition of Jose's work. So pretty cool. Fun stuff. Ooh, I'm going to take a breath. What would you think, Rob? Um, I love the, 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 the final thing at the end. Jerry totally channeling Stan Lee. <laughs> you know, just completely copying to like, don't buy this. We're just, we're, you know, like I, it's, it's just incredibly silly, but I really enjoyed it. And, you know, Firestorm's always been sort of the DC version of Spider-Man and that's just, he's just laying it on extra thick, you know, with Let, all that stuff. That's the second stand dig though. Cause actually in the comic himself, Firestorm flies in to attack the evil or the, not they're both evil really, but the second hyena and he says who writes your dialogue bow wow breath smiling stan (laughs) he comes right out and says it yeah i mean i I didn't take it as a dig i thought it was just a total homage to him i mean just being you know just just being yeah i mean clearly said firestorm is is dc's version of spider-man so that's what jerry's trying to do here um on the art front i enjoyed it quite a bit uh i the person who has Done again. I, I tend to look at things, you know, from like the the artist deadline point of view. It's just the way my DNA works at this point. But the very the second panel of page two is mm-hmm. just a giant stat of a New York yeah. City skyline that Prodrick dropped in, and I just feel like I I will see him being like, I'm tired. I don't want to draw these buildings again. <laughs> we'll just drop in a stat panel and just tell the colorist to color it. And I'm done for that panel. So I appreciate. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe. Now, I, I was going to mention similarly I, on the very first page. I loved his uh, landscape, or not uh, skyscraper. What am I trying to say? Skyscraper. I'm trying to say his. Wow! Apparently, I'm sleepy. Skyline. Woo! Apparently, okay. that's a tougher word than I mm. thought. His skyline shot of New York with the giant moon behind mm. the Trade Center. I just thought that was really sharp. Oh yeah, no, so. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not at all knocking the. The. I mean, he clearly. I mean, on page five, where Firestorm blast blasts out of the crowd, and he says, "Stop mm-hmm. crowding me." Look at all the buildings he drew there. I mean, all those little windows. I mean, that he's really going crazy there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, as an artist, sometimes you find yourself just like really tired, and you're like, "I just need a little corner to cut," and I just feel like <laughs> that panel is the corner to cut. But it's fine. It's totally fine. I mean, it, again, you placing. Your character in New York City, just by itself, you're just you're going to be in for a lot more work, you know, yeah. than uh, than you would if you had, you know, Conan, where he's out fighting on the Hyborian wastes. You just draw a mountain and a tree, and you're done, you know. Um, <laughs> poor Broderick's got to draw panel after panel of these buildings and stuff. 
Uh, no, I like the the fight between the hyenas is super savage. Firestorm and his in his uh, wolf face is continually very upsetting. Uh, <laughs> I like how his, he looks so strange. Like the contrast of his face versus his clothes. You know, yeah. it, and not until the end, they're, they're not torn or anything. They're perfect. In fact, the, the gloves are changing to allow for his talons that are underneath them. <laughs> His uniform does get caught, uh, get caught up a little bit when Hyena bites him and slashes, slashes his shoulder. And he's laying right, there yeah, face down. The we see him yeah. there. But, yeah, no, it's another – it's, you know, the fight scenes are really well done. Um, I like uh, that the, the, the doctor guy, the uh, Dr. Barry Gleason. I love his Indiana Jones-ish purple hat. Uh, enjoy that. It goes with what's-her-name's purple hair. <laughs> colorist here really – who's the colorist on this? Uh, Gene D'Angelo. He really loved purple. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I like the uh, perpetual little bits of drool that's always hanging out of his mouth at any given panel. I always thought this is a nice little gross detail. Yeah. Usually you see just little bits of things. It's like, yeah, it's a snarling werewolf, you know? I really liked Broderick. He, he did some neat things with lights in this issue, like on page three, the third panel. We're fire- that's actually one of my favorite panels. It's this little tiny narrow panel where Firestorm's flying down as fast as he can to, to actually reach the ground before Hyena. And he starts to transform the street. But behind him are all the city lights, and they have these nice little weird scratchy lines around them. Mm-hmm. And it really makes you feel like, you know, those are city lights. And he uses it again later on, uh, and a couple pages later, too. I just really like that effect. I think it's well done. Uh, <laughs> Firestorm transforming the road to water. That's kind of insane. <laughs> that really is not going to save Hyena's life because if you hit water from that height, you're still going to get crushed. Right. And then, you know, what happens to the subway underneath? Because, yeah. you know, as we all unfortunately learned uh, 13 years ago, there's we learned a lot about the World Trade Center and the subways and all that and everything. So we know that there's a mall underneath there. There's all kinds of stuff yeah. that uh, he just created a river out of. <laughs> Ronnie's still new. Right. Yeah. Well, and he's under a lot of stress. I mean, I'm not faulting why he did it, because, you know, he's, he's transforming, he's freaking out, etc. But just that it worked is sort of like a little head-scratcher. Yeah. But, you know, it's comics. Who cares? Yeah. So. Barry Gleason, chief resident with his little Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones hat, is a complete and utter dick. <laughs> I mean, his dialogue here, it's, it, it's informative and it helps move the story along, but it's really ridiculous. When Ronnie bumps into him, instead of just saying sorry, he has to go on and say who he is, his credentials, you know, where he did his residency, you know, everything, and just explain, do you know who I am, young man? So uh, it's a little over the top, but, you know, it got the point across. I like the nurse. is very much like, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that when he, Ronnie asks about uh, an address. She she has a very drawn out sorry. I thought that was whole. Yeah, I know. I I didn't notice. Yeah, I noticed it when I read it over again uh, earlier yep. today. I was like, okay. Uh, on the when the scene in the um the burger joint, yeah. the guy in the foreground, he looks just like the uh, Burt Reynolds stand-in from issue four. Uh, he does. I, I, mean, I actually clearly had, not supposed to be him, but I had notes about the sideburn and the stash and, and very Burt Reynolds like, but I had forgotten about that character in that in, in, the, in the Killer Frost issue. You make a good point there. That's hilarious. So how much of a dick is Harry Carey? I mean, really? Um, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a big dick. There's no doubt about I mean, he's only fessing up to Stein to clear his own conscience. That's all. <laughs> he's, not, like, he's not trying to do the right thing. He just feels bad about it. You know, it's like, oh, jeez. What a, what, a, what a pain. I have I say, do, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I would say the Harry Carew guy, uh, whatever, is not the greatest saboteur in the world. He steals the tape for Martin, and then he's like, but I didn't listen to it. 
Right. Like, really? You're bothering to steal evidence, and then you're just like, I'm not going to bother to, like, okay, good plan. And then he kept it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I understand he kept it, but do you think he would listen to it at least once so you know what's on there? I love at the bottom of page 12 that picture of Professor Stein. There's like a nice close-up of Stein's face, mm-hmm. and it's just, that's Professor Stein to me. Regardless of who you've drawn him over the years and the different interpretation, that is a, that's Professor Stein's face to me. It just, it's comforting almost. It's just like, that's him. So there's a nice example too in here of why Ronnie is in control of Firestorm versus Professor Stein on page 13 when they're outside the Bundan run. They're having a conversation. This is, this is the part that's a little hard to, to, to get where Hyena show, shows herself to Ronnie to try and get Ronnie to call the police to help her catch the other heroine. It, it didn't quite jive, but either way, Professor Stein sort of freezes up. He's like, it was summer day. She saw us. She's taunting us. And Ronnie's yelling, don't freeze, Professor Stein, or Professor, move. And it's sort of, you know, in their human personas, and rather than Firestorm, it's demonstrating why Ronnie's in control, you know, is the right choice to be in control rather than Professor. I thought that was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Um, hyena riding Firestorm's back was a little weird. <laughs> You know, but okay, you know, whatever. Can't wait to see that in live action. Right, exactly. That'll be fun. You know, poor, poor Robbie. Uh, when Ronnie's fighting the the the, the second hyena, and he, he get, he's losing his mind, and he says, basically, I don't give a damn. I think that's the second or third time we've heard Ronnie yelp that statement in the series in 12 issues already. So it's fair to mention here, Summer Day, hyena saves Firestorm's life. Please take note. She saved Firestorm's life. So without without hyena, he'd have been a dead man. So you know, maybe summer day's not so bad. Maybe certainly better than her sister. Anyway, and then you know, I just love the ending. A lot of fun. Good art. Good shock ending. You know, uh, you know, keep that cliffhanger going. So even though next issue still sort of continues the uh, where hyena story, it's it's. I don't believe it's a full on issue just about the where hyena. I think that's just sort of the opening tag till they get it solved. So, but you know, so this is a I guess a three and a half issue story. Our, our longest one we've had yet. You know, how do you feel? Do you feel like there was a wasted issue here in here anywhere? No, no, not at all. Like I said, I'm, I, uh, I've made, I think I've said this every month. Like I'm uh, impressed how remarkably consistent Jerry and the team was here with this series. Like if I was a, I, I, I don't think I bought Firestorm much more than intermittently uh, in the first couple of years of the book. And uh, I've said I'm impressed with how really consistent it is every issue is really solid and a lot of fun and he's developed i mean jerry at this point had had 10 almost 15 years in the business so i mean he knew what he was doing he knew how to develop subplots and how to pay them off and how to you know i mean it's just like classic superhero melodrama and he's he's clearly having a lot of fun here both as writer and editor um i mean just the little tag that he puts on the pinup at the in the end where he talks about, since Jerry is late with his letters page, here's a drawing, pencil for Pat Project, blah, 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 blah. And he signs it, shameface Jerry. I mean, he's yep. clearly just having a lot of fun, not taking any of this too terribly seriously. And that's that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, another great issue. I, I'm getting really excited because, again, this was issue 12. We are getting close to some of my favorite Firestorm comics of all time. I get asked a lot by people either just getting into Firestorm or people who are um, you know, looking for something to read, they say, what would be a good Firestorm story to read? And I always tell them, if they were ever to make a trade paperback out of the Fury of Firestorm series from 82, I would first go to, I mean, sure, you could start with number one. It would be nice if you did a whole run of it. But either way, if, if that's not going to work, the best story to collect would be issues 14 through 18 and annual number one. And we're about to start those, Rob. And you, when we get to issue 14, 
Oh, it's such a good run there through the annual. So it makes one big story. It's a six issue story, or I guess what the four? Yeah, six issues. Such good stuff. I can't wait. So excited for the future of this book. Well, with that, I think uh, we're going to go to break, and then on the other side, we're going to cover Aquaman and the Others, number thirty-two, and Aquaman. I'm sorry, Aquaman number thirty-two. And Aquaman and the others, number four. Number four, number four yep. yeah. Uh, as of this moment we're recording, I have absolutely no idea what you're about to hear, but I'm sure it's going to be really good. <laughs> Take it away. Who in heaven's name are you? Firestorm. Firestorm? Yeah, I made up the name myself. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Not bad. Well, gotta go. Maybe we'll meet again soon, I hope. Hey, wait. Hey, Professor, that Wonder Woman's a real fox. Uh, couldn't we have stayed with her just a little longer? <laughs> Sorry, my friend, but I have to get back to my lab, and you have to study for your final exam. Oh, I, I must be the only superhero in the world who has to worry about homework. What's wrong, Star Wars fans? Disney. Disney killed the expanded universe. They killed the whole thing. It's dead. Every single book. Not just the novels, but the comics. And the video games, too. It's like they're just stories, and Disney threw them out like stories. I hate them. Okay? Star Wars fans, relax. Here, have a Snickers. No one destroyed your Star Wars Expanded Universe. In fact, I'm going to give you a whole new opportunity to go back and explore all those books and comics that have helped to shape and mold this universe we love so much. Join me on the Star Wars Saga Cast, where I'll be walking through the various branches of the Star Wars Expanded Universe, much of it for my very first time. I'll be bringing you short episodes that review comics, longer episodes that explore the novels, and in-film commentaries, because you know you're just dying to hear what some random guy on the internet has to say about movies that you've seen a hundred times before. You know you are, so come along for the Star Wars SagaCast at thestarwarssagacast.com. That was great. That was one of my favorite break, uh, you know, pieces you've ever played, Rob. It's, I, I don't want to use the word brilliant, but if it fits, you know. Yeah, I, I'm, I, <laughs> I am at a loss for words. <laughs> for once. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Okay, uh, okay. You, you, you want to, you want to see macro? I'll show you macro, Shag. This is Aquaman <laughs> number thirty-two. The story is it lives. It is by the. P3 team of Parker, Pelletier, and Parsons. Jeez. Yeah, that's trademark and copyright. With some inking help by Rick Magyar, colors by Rain Barreto, and then like a million other people on the credits. We don't need to get into it. Group editor, assistant editor, whatever. Who cares? Anyway, 
Super, super macro. Yes, the giant creature that the uh, Triton base was experimenting on goes crazy. He pulls guys into a tank and he yells, I live, and he escapes. So there you go, you got the monster guy. He's eating a bunch of people. He's spewing his acid face, his acid stuff on people's faces. It's all horrible. Mira and Tula take on the um, potential Roman, the uh, royal assassins as they fight the uh, regular citizens of this little podunk section of Atlantis see that, hey, Mira is not this coward that she's made out to be. So, so uh, they fight there. They, uh, she grabs the, um, the head, the head uh, perpetrator of this conspiracy. They drag him in front of Topo and basically say, unless you tell us what we want, we're going to feed you to Topo and you're going to be digested in the uh, Topo's stomach for many, many times. Very Sarlaccian moment there. Yes. Thank you for beating yeah. me to that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the guy says, all right, I'll admit it. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say whatever you need to. Meanwhile, back over in an outside of Atlantis, Aquaman is searching for this weird creature, these patterns that he's heard about that we've mentioned in the previous issues. He starts talking to his finny friends. None of them are responding to, the, to him for some reason. In fact, they start attacking. He doesn't understand. And then he realizes that all of his commands are being interrupted and circumvented by a new creature who is named Chimera. And that is the intro of uh, this new super bad guy on the final page. And it says, next, Amnesty Bay under attack. Boom. There you go. Done. Let's move on to Aquaman and the others. So, uh, no, 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 no. No, I like this. I love this issue a whole lot. I am really happy with the guys as a team. I'm not going to call them the boys because that's the other group. But uh, I think these guys have found a really good rhythm together. And... um, I've been fortunate enough that I can communicate, I communicate with all three of these guys. And I told them that personally, that I think that they have really grabbed the ball, run with it. And that was tough to do considering who they were following. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if you, if you take over for a book that's going badly, you look, you know, you look like a savior if you even do a half decent job. But when you're taking over for a very popular run, that is really tough to do. And and these guys, I think, have taken it in a different direction. Parker has made it much more of a monster book, which I'm perfectly happy with. Uh, I like the Mira Atlantean subplot. Uh, I, I mean, pretty much all the compliments I've been giving it for the past three or four months, I'm just going to keep saying. Because I think the book has been very, very consistent lately, and that is good. Pelletier is doing great work. Sean Parsons is doing great work on the inks. Rain Barreto is doing great work on the color. It is a really fun, big, monster superhero comic book right now. And the introduction of Kimura, I you know, I hope it's another addition to the Rogues Gallery. He looks really cool. I like a guy that can take over Aquaman's uh, commands for him over the, the, the Finny Friends. That's always a nice bit. So it, it's just it's it's a blast. I really am enjoying this book every single month. I love it. I I loved the Jeff Johns run as well, but. And I'm not being negative, but you know, those were large arcs. You know, you had to read f- six issues to get the story. Here, I feel like I get something every single month. Uh, I love it. Honestly, it's like one of my favorite runs of Aquaman. I'm having so much fun with it. I love the creatures that, that they've been introducing. As you said, the monster aspect's great. I love the art. I thought I, I did notice that uh, Pelletier drew the whole issue this time. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have any fill-ins, and the art looks great the whole way through. Very solid. I'm very pleased. You know, we didn't talk about the covers. We should probably mention that. Isn't it, um, this one's got a very sexy Mara cover, but then don't the, isn't, isn't this one a variant cover this issue? It's a variant month with the Mira bombshell, all the superhero women doing the 40s style thing, yeah. Yeah, so you've got 
you know, either cover is a sexy Mera, so, you know, woohoo, score on that. And then uh, I love Aqu- I love Batman dropping off Aquaman in the very beginning. <laughs> I assume that's a nod to their Batman-Aquaman issue. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, Batman's like, you know, Atlanta should be around here. Aquaman's like, no, not even remotely. I'm lying. Yeah, and then Aquaman goes, actually, he's only six miles off. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So at the end, you know, Aquaman's getting his butt handed to him by, like, jellyfish and stuff. And at first, that was really bothering me. And I'm like, wait a minute. Aquaman's throwing cars nowadays. Aquaman is taking on monsters, you know, uh, you know, basically Godzilla-style monsters nowadays. What is this being beaten by jellyfish and a whale and stuff nonsense? And then I finally kind of I came to a realization he's pulling his punches. Right, exactly. Because they're his friends, exactly. his finny friends to be exact, and can't bring himself to hurt them. And that's why he's letting them beat him. And then, then I could kind of get on board with it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Chimera. Um, so what have I said ever since uh, the that diver's first appearance? Well, you said he was going to end up becoming a, a, a villain, right? I, I said a specific one. The, I said, the, the creature I, from the, that issue of Showcase. Right. The creature from Showcase number 32 is what I said he was going to be because it's Coombs, the same last name, mm-hmm. right? And do you know what the creature from Showcase number 32's name is? A Chimera. Creature, no. Creature King of the Sea. Right, right, okay. And here, right before he reveals his name is Chimera, he, he describes himself as a king of creatures. Okay, all right. So there it is, buddy. There's your link. Put that up on the shrine and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great that Jeff Parker's doing a callback to, you know, Aquaman's very first, wasn't it, uh, was it, it wasn't his very first solo appearance because he'd been in Adventure Comics, but it was his very first sort of lead feature as of his a headliner his first yeah. thing is a headliner yeah so i think that's great that uh, he's, he's doing a callback to that i think it's wonderful so he looks like a cool villain so is he actually i guess he is just doing the same thing as aquaman rather than i was, I was trying to figure out whether he was countermanding aquaman orders or whether he actually was uh ordering the the fish around himself i guess he is actually ordering the fish around himself right so. but he also he also is countermanding the orders though i mean cuz they are talking to aquaman but he's he, the Kimura's basically interrupting yeah. the command. So, yeah, I mean, Parker has turned this, his run on Aquaman is like a big Ray Harryhausen movie. Mm. And mm-hmm. I love Ray Harryhausen. Um, I still think Ray Harryhausen, like, would be a great, like, that approach would be a great way to do a Wonder Woman movie, but Aquaman is is of that world as well, and uh, I think it, it think it fits really well. I'm happy that Black Mana is off suicide, suicide squatting it up or whatever. Uh, you know, that's great. <laughs> And we've, like, I mean, basically, you know, this new, this Aquaman title has been around for just a hair under three years now. We've had two major arc, well, we've had more major arcs than that, but we've had Manta had a major arc, Ocean Manta, Ocean Mister had a major arc. You know, put them aside yep. for a while, get some other creatures, get Aquaman a chance to, and so I love, and I, I, I like all of it, and I said I think the Mira stuff is really strong, the whole subplot. Um, Pelletier really draws her well. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, I don't want to say necessarily "quote unquote" better, but I think he draws her better than he does Aquaman in some weird way. I think he, I almost feel like he's more into drawing Mira than he is drawing Aquaman by well, a she hair. Is, she, she is a hot redhead. I mean. Well, but it doesn't mean you're good at it, though. You know what I mean? I think he's good at it, and I think he, I think he really is into these subplots and um, that face of um, the opening page, which is I think it's page I don't know five or six, page nine. I'm sorry, page nine, the first page of the the subplot where all the uh, the assassins are basically, you know, approaching her with knives, mm-hmm. and uh, 
he says uh, he basically asks her for her terms, and she says, "Surrender now." Yeah, and and the look of the girls on her face is such disdain, and I love that in this issue. Mira does something like that, and then in the previous issue of Aquaman and the others, when Aquaman was asked to give a bargain, and his bargain was basically surrender, no terms. Yep. I love Aquaman and Mira being graduates of the Batman School of Negotiation. Just not, <laughs> there is no talking here. We're not doing this. Surrender, that's it. I, I think that's great. And so that, that little panel with Mira, the way he draws her face, I think is my favorite moment in the whole issue. Because in behind her... Tula looks appreciative, and then the other Atlantean guy—I forget his name—who's with them looks kind of like, "Oh boy," you know, like he knows he's in. He knows he, you know. So, um, I just, like I said, I, I wish I could say something new every month that we do these, or something novel to say. I don't. I'm really enjoying it, and you know, I was really scared when I heard that Johns and the boys were leaving because it was, you know, sure. like boy, but the, they have done a great great job and i hope they stay on the book for quite a long time we're a long ways from number 75 which is true <laughs> aquaman number 76 76 76 yeah. we were we are four years away from aquaman number 76 that's a long ways away but nevertheless i think we're on a really good path here so uh just keep it up guys couldn't be happier yeah all right well that's aquaman 32 uh we're gonna jump right into aquaman and the others number four which is Chapter 4 of the Legacy of Gold story by Dan Jurgens, Land Medina, and Alan Martinez. Cover by the boys, Reese, Prado, and Reese. Actually, the cover is by Prado, Reese, and Reese, if I want to be technically correct. Um, it looks great. It's another great Others cover. It's got uh, Aquaman and Yawara looking into this tube, wondering who's coming out of it, in a scene that does not actually happen in the book, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I like covers. The, well, well, it sort of happens in the book. If Aquaman's taken out of the picture, it well, absolutely okay. Happens. All right. Well, yeah, but he's not in the book. So anyway, again, we're even going to do even more macro. This whole issue features Aquaman laying on the laying on the ground, holding his stomach. That's pretty <laughs> much it for Aquaman because he got stabbed by the legendary guy. Uh, meanwhile, Yawara has been beamed into the parallel dimension that uh, features the uh, her dead comrades, and she has a long conversation with Kahina and Vostok, and they tell her that basically you are preordained to go on this mission, and Vostok gives her his helmet and says, here, go on this path, you got to go take it, and you can't go back to your friends now, go on this mission, trust us. Meanwhile, back at the castle, the other members are stuck in a jail, uh, stuck in a jail cell. They escape, they try and tend to Aquaman, and he's slowly bleeding to death. Kahina, not Kahina, um, Saya, the sister, does her best to uh, try and uh, bandage Aquaman up, but he's slowly bleeding to death. Yuara finds at the end of her trail, it's just a giant glowing orb, which requires her to basically just jump into it without uh, any sort of thought, which she does. Um, the battle continues back with the, the others. They try again, they're trying to fix up Aquaman. Yuara takes the portal. She ends up on this weird base where everybody speaks Russian. Trying to figure out what's going on there. She wanders around until she finds herself that she is on the moon, which means she's at Vostok's headquarters. She takes the helmet into this room. She walks into this room, sees this chamber. Uh, somebody emerges from it. And who emerges from it but Vostok alive and well. And that is the end of the issue of Aquaman the Others number four. Dun, 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 dun. So maybe the newest member is going to be an old member and that Vostok is back. That felt – that's the only piece of the book that felt like a little bit of a cheat to me. Mm -hmm. 
which is I love the cover. I really, 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 really. Your covers are great. The guys are doing killer covers for this series. And it is, but it's not just the art. It's the setup. It's the 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 what the decision of the co- the cover content. You know, like last issue, where everyone was falling out of the plane. You know, yes, the art's amazing, but the concept of it's a shot of everyone falling out of the plane is a great idea. This one's another great idea. The mystery who's in the chamber. You know, what a great fun comic book you know question that is. Yeah, everything about it, the conception and the execution of these covers have been. Fantastic. Thank you. That's much more succinct. Very good. <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, the fact that it was just Fostog again, I was like, mm. <laughs> so I, I hope, it, I don't know. It doesn't bother me because I felt like they killed Vostok off so soon before we got to know him that when he died, it didn't, I didn't feel a whole lot because it was like, okay, yeah, that's true. maybe to barely know the guy. Well, now we're going to get a second chance. Yeah, maybe cheating a little to bring back somebody from the dead, but you, if people coming back from the dead bothers you, you can't read superhero comics. Like that ship has sailed. Um, one little. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be a Vostok with no memory of the original Vostok, like a clone. Uh, I don't think we're. I don't think that's what's going to happen. But probably not. Probably not. One little detail that I I did enjoy was on page five where Vostok is talking to Yawara, and they do a little flashback of mm-hmm. what's happened to Aquaman at this point. No rounded corners, but it is a little <laughs> flashback of showing what's happened, and it's sort of it was like a. First of all, it's old school. I love old school um, flashback montages. Which is this is what this says, and it also is a kind of a nice, even if it is just for one panel, it's kind of a nice reminder of how far Aquaman's come. You think about that all this has happened in thirty two thirty two months essentially, yep. uh, and you think about where he was thirty three months ago. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. It's you know, so it, I just enjoyed that little mini flashback combo. Super comics used to do flashbacks like every month. They don't do him as much now, but I like – I did enjoy – you see Manta. You see him looking for Vostok's dead body. Uh, it's, just a, it's just a neat little shot. Yep. Yeah. And in fact, there's um, – overall, I, I was very pleased with the art this issue. Um, I, was, I was a little critical of it last issue. I felt like there were some panels that weren't as well constructed as they could have been. I felt like this one um, – I felt like Lamadina really did a, did a really nice job on this issue, so I was pleased with the art. Uh, it's nice to see that Aquaman can take a, a, a what do you call that? Trident to the gut. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just funny though. His, you know, I don't know. Just we're supposed to think he's dead, and they're like, "Oh, wait, wait, wait!" His, his scales saved him and everything. And it's a, uh, it's that famous thing where an actor gets paid to lay down for an entire episode of a soap opera in the, in the hospital bed. It's that kind of thing, you know. It's a good deal. Aquaman, you just got to check. For showing up. <laughs> well, and, you know, it's funny. I mentioned this on the Shrine and the review is that, I mean, clearly Jurgens is giving the focus on the others, not Aquaman. And that makes sense because you're trying to build up those guys. I mean, the book is going to be more about the others than it is going to be Aquaman. So he's shushing Aquaman off to the side a little to give the other guys a chance to shine, which only makes sense because unless you're hooked into these others, you're probably not really going to buy this book unless you're a diehard Aquaman fan. And there aren't enough of us out there. To, to be doing that. So uh, it, it makes sense. And this is kind of a – it's sort of a fun slash cheesy way of doing it of just, oh, Aquaman will just be unconscious for a whole issue while the others get to do stuff. Yeah. Well, it gave us an opportunity to see another cool aspect of Prisoner of War. I was about to say that too. Yeah. You know, the breakout character of 2011. So he's well on his way to his own monthly book sometime soon. Coming near <laughs> – coming to you. I'll have to do three review shows a month. Oh, jeez. You're killing me. <laughs> Overall, I dug it. I thought it was a fun issue. You know, I'm looking forward to the next one. 
Yeah, it's it. It's the story barrels along. Um, we're almost. Uh, I think it's five parts. Is it? Yeah, five next parts? one's the last part. Next of this. one's the last one. So you know, I am enjoying this, but it'll be nice to see something else too. And I'm going to guess that Saya is probably going to join as well because she seems to have power. So it'll almost be like the others have been recreated entirely. Yeah. Vostok will be back. Saya will be there in place of Kahina, and then you've got Sky. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, and it'll be, uh, I look forward to them establishing, like, a, the Aqua Cave or something, or the Others Cave, you know, and they can just take the jet, fly around like the Avengers Quinjet. They don't have to- I want them to wreck their transport every every book. I want them to keep that up. I like that. That would be funny. It blows <laughs> That's it up true. There's no transport wreck this issue. Hmm. And we'll get it rebuilt for the next. There we go. There go. Now, if Kahina, I'm sorry, if Sky and Saya both join... They're both the, like, telepathic character, and I think there's only one gold thing to go between them, though, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah, they'll have to figure that out. Well, maybe, maybe uh, Saya will not join, because she's not really necessarily built up. Built, she has the powers, but she's not necessarily ready to be a superhero. Yeah, or maybe she doesn't need the little gold thing. Maybe. maybe she can just use her powers. But they've established she has a family, so I could see that she might not want to run off and be a superhero with all this craziness going on. Operative has a family. Well, that's true. That is he just true. he just takes them along. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good comic. Yeah, Aquaman is very well served by DC right now. He's doing they're doing quite a nice job, and he's appearing all over the place. He's in so many guest appearances, I can't even keep track of them all. I'm having <laughs> guest people write posts for me. It's crazy. Mm. It's, it's fun stuff. This is a uh, you know very rarely do you get to um, necessarily recognize when you're in a new golden age. It's only in retrospect, but I recognize it now. We're in a golden age of this character. A second golden age. Unbelievable. Yeah. Our, our characters have come so far since <laughs> since we started those, these blogs. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> we say yeah. we. I don't mean to you know stomp comment you know ground we've already stomped before, but just the addition of the casting of Jason Momo and you know um, Robbie ML. Yeah, I got to used to his name, Robbie ML. It's just like, oh my gosh, these things, it's unbelievable how far these characters have come in just a few years. Yeah. Well. um... Until next time, folks, I think that's going to do it for now. We'll come back next month with more reviews. In the meantime, we'll have a couple of episodes. We've got a couple of special treats coming up this month, so I hope you enjoy them. And uh, let's see, you can find Rob at AquamanShrine.net. You can find him also on Facebook and Twitter under the same handle. You can find me at FirestormFan.com. You can find uh, me also on the social medias of Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, and Tumblr, all under FirestormFan. I have been posting on Google+, just so you know. I even, like, commented or liked something you did. Well, then so. why didn't you mention it? Because I'm doing nearly 100 episodes of not having to mention it. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, Rob, tell the folks at home how they can email us or and, or, and where our Tumblr is. <laughs> email is firewaterpodcast at comcast.net, and the Tumblr is fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com. You can also find our show on Stitcher. That's true. And we'll go ahead and post a few images from these comics out on the Tumblr, so if you want to see some of those, be sure to check it out. And we will do a listener feedback episode in in some point in the future. It's been a little while since we've done one, but we've got a lot of stuff on our plate right now. We will be getting back to it, so please keep keep your cards and letters coming, folks. We will get to them. Uh, Until then, uh, fan the flame and ride the wave. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm Fighting crime together Soak them down or burn them up No one does it better Whenever you find trouble They'll always be there To catch them
That's a that's a there it is. That'll work. Okay. Oh, my diamond is empty already. Damn it. Sucks. <laughs>